Happy Thanksgiving week, Connect family. We are so excited to be in six different locations. We're meeting online as well. We're taking over our region, and this is really our responsibility, and I'm so excited about it. Hey, to Milford, my people, to Marlboro, to Framingham, Natick, who, am I, who else am I missing? Ashland. And of course, the newly added Shrewsbury. We love you guys so much. For those that are engaging with us online, we love y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I got a good word for you, and I believe you're going to get encouraged. Before we get into the message today, I want to honor my pastors, Pastor Derek and Stacy Fry. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to be able to speak and to be a part and uh, to really lay a brick into the house that God is building in this place. It's such an honor. We are in a series right now called In God We Trust. It's our legacy series. I thought PD did an incredible job last week, and uh, I'm just going to be passing on the baton uh, and taking it on for this next week right now. And so, so excited about it. Um, why don't we go to Mark chapter 12. If you brought your Bible, if you're real spiritual, you brought your paperback Bible, make sure you go to Mark chapter 12, verse 41, and that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, now, if you're new to our church, to our community, we want to welcome all of our guests, all of our new uh, audience online. If you're coming to City Group for the first time, you haven't been to church for a long time or ever, we just want to say you, you are welcome here. This is your house, and we want to create this place to make it really a home. And so we want to honor you. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, my name is Devin. I am one of the teaching pastors of our church. I'm also the youth and young adults pastor here. And I love my job. I love what we're doing. I love what God is building in this place. God can do amazing things when the church gathers together and sits under the word. And I believe I got a good word for you today. So Mark chapter 12, I'm going to grab my paper Bible. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, it says this. And he sat down, Jesus speaking of, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting the money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And then there was a poor widow. She came and put two small copper coins, which made, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had and all that she had to live on. I want to um, preach and tag a title to this sermon today. I want to preach from this thought, Jealous Jesus. Jealous Jesus. Father, would you speak your word to your people? We thank you that we're gathering all over the place. I pray that right now your anointing would fall and that I would be able to clearly, eloquently, and passionately communicate your word. Today is a big day for our church. This is a big day for the church. And uh, so help me, Holy Spirit, uh, to do what I cannot do by myself. I ask that you would help us to see Jesus, especially in this text, Help us to hear from heaven and encounter the power of God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody in every single city group said, come on, and you say it again, everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, uh, there was this one time, so I'm in my basement. During COVID, during quarantine, all these kind of things, we were uh, developing and gathering all these resources so I could put a gym in my basement. This one particular day, I have a squat rack. Uh, it's pull day. And so I'm deadlifting. Now, for all the guys, you know the deal. Deadlift day, that's a man's day, okay? So manly stuff happens. And so I'm picking up this barbell. I'm picking it up. I'm putting it down. I'm just like my father. I like picking stuff up and throwing things down. And when we're deadlifting, let me just tell you something. Like a deadlift, you grab, your, uh, you grab the barbell, you 
paint your legs with it. You want to make sure your back is tight. You don't want to make sure you're leaning over because it's a high risk. It's, it has a lot of you know risk to it. But I'm lifting it up in this one particular moment. I'm lifting it up and I just start grunting. Men, we just start to grunt when we're in, a, when we're in an environment like that. There's a lot of testosterone. I got uh, loud music playing in the background and I'm just like, huh, huh. you know, I'm just doing my thing. And so I lift up the barbell. All of a sudden, I have my bulkhead open. My bulkhead goes out to my backyard. And then there's this little girl that walks into the bulkhead and she goes, Hey, Def, I'm mid deadlift. And I was like, huh? You know, I'm looking at it. I'm like, what in the world is happening? My little sister comes out of nowhere, unannounced. I didn't know she was coming over the house. I'm by myself. I'm thinking I'm completely alone, completely isolated, just doing my thing, working out. My little sister comes up and she goes, Hey, Def. I brought something for you. I freak out in the middle of, uh, of working out. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing here? It was Madison, my, my middle sister. She goes, I came here and I just brought these snickerdoodle cookies. I said, Lord, is that you? I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm like so pumped right now. I'm mid-workout. I'm burning all these calories. And all of a sudden, the Lord, maybe it was the devil, I don't know, tempted me. She brought these snickerdoodle cookies. And I was just like, this is the greatest day of my life. So I'm like, I'm so pumped. Madison and I then just had a conversation for the next few minutes. I'm crushing snickerdoodle cookies like it's my job. You know, have like two or three. You're probably like, Dev, why are you doing this? You're supposed to be working out, but then you're consuming these sugary calories. Stop judging me. You've done it too. Okay, so Madison stays for probably 20, 30 minutes. We're just hanging out. As she's going away, I'm like, Mads, thank you so much. You're so generous. That was so sweet of you. Thank you so much for coming here. She walks outside. She goes, hey, Dev. I'm like, What's going on? You, you good? She goes, I think you need to come up here. So I'm like, ah, I can't get to my workout. I crushed like three more snickerdoodle cookie. There's just doodle. Oh, this, that sounds weird. There's just all this snickerdoodle sugar all over my face. Walk outside. Walk outside. And we are greeted by two police officers. Two police officers come up. He goes, sir, is this your residence? I said, I, I wiped the cookie off my face. I'm sweating. There's music in the background. And I'm like, uh, yes, sir, this is my residence. Is everything okay? She goes, oh, yeah, we got a distressed call from a neighbor across the street. And she called us saying that there was a young, uh, lean man that walked into the house. And all we heard was grunting, screaming, and loud music. I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes. My neighbor sees this skinny slender man which actually was a woman who was my little sister she was dressed like a hipster she probably looked like a mafia member and she walks in with this little bag and then all of a sudden for the next 20 minutes all she hears is oh yeah ooh. and then madison she's dying laughing so i'm like madison my neighbor called the cops on you and what did you do? I couldn't, I couldn't muster up the courage to tell the cops. Yeah, she came over here. She's my little sister and she brought me snickerdoodle cookies because I know that those officers will go back to the precinct. They will go back to their place and they would be making fun of me for the rest of my life. I would be known as that guy on this street as snickerdoodle man. I would never live it down. So I didn't say that. I was like, yeah, she's my sister. She came to visit. I was just working out. They're like, okay, we were just checking. I lock eyes with my neighbor across the street. Because she's outside, she's just like, is everything okay? I go, everything's okay. That's my sister, not a man. It's my sister. And uh, everything seemed to be fine. The reason I tell that story is don't you just love the people that just come in unannounced in your life and they just want to give gifts. They just want to be generous. I love people who are generous. Come on, generous people. Everybody agrees with me. Generous people, 
They're the best people. Generous people will never lack friends. They will never lack finances. They will never lack favor. Generous people are the best people. I love the scripture. The scripture says this in Proverbs chapter 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But it says the world of the stingy, the people that just are, are to themselves. They, they can't give stuff away. Come on, we're not here to simply just receive. We're here to give. It's blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so it says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Today, I want to have a little family discussion with our church community. I think it's so important that we have this conversation because we need to talk about, here's the tension, money. We need to talk about money. And I love how PD uh, launched this series, just in God we trust. And I, he, says this, he says this all the time, especially in leadership settings and in our circles, but how could you trust God with your eternity and you don't trust him with your finances. How can that be? So I just want to have a little family discussion. First, here's what we believe at this church. First of all, we have never passed a plate. Since I've been on staff here, we have never passed a plate once. I have been in this church for 28 years of my life. I can't remember the last time, probably decades, since we have passed a plate, if we have even done so. We do not, listen to me, this is the belief of this house. And for those that are Connect members, we love this and you know this and you believe this. But for those that are new, maybe coming into our community and just want a window into what we're believing and what we do. Listen, we don't use people. We don't use people to get money. We use money to get people. That is the heart of this house. We don't simply use money. Uh, we don't use people to get money. We use money to get people. That is why we believe in giving to the house of God so that we can advance the gospel. Now, here's what we know about this. We know that money is not our source. Money is simply just a resource. Money's not our source. It's simply a resource. Now watch. Uh, you guys all know this. You guys all know Steve Jobs. You know who he is. Now this man died because of a terminal illness. But in 2003, his net worth was $8.3 billion dollars billion. Could you just imagine what you would do with a billion dollars, by the way? That'd be the craziest thing. If I had a billion dollars, the first thing, the very first thing I would do, I would fix my stupid dishwasher because that thing is always busted up and broken. Anyways, one thing I would do, if I had billions of dollars, I would shut down the company because that dishwasher stinks in my house. Anyways, little soapbox. Um, I, would, I would do a lot of things with a billion dollars, but here's what Steve Jobs showcases to us. You could have all the money in the world. You could have billions of dollars. And still, your money cannot save you. We know this at Connect. Listen, money is not a source. Money is a resource. Money is a tool. It's not a treasure. And last thing, money is a gauge. It showcases who you are. It's a mirror. It's a gauge, not a god. And far too often, we see in our culture today, people worship money like it is a god. The Bible says so clearly, listen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's, let's, let's talk about the text we read earlier, Mark chapter 12. Because Jesus is looking for something. The Bible says and records this, that Jesus sits down. He, went, he sits down opposite of where the treasury was. Opposite where all these receptacles, or essentially where the offerings were given. He sits down, crosses his arms, and he is just intently watching people give their offerings. And here's what I know about God. If you know anything about the nature and the character of Jesus, if you know anything in the character and nature of our God, He does not care so much as the amount given. 
He doesn't care about the money you give. He cares about the way you give it. God does not care so much about the offerings. He cares more about the heart of the offerer. That is the nature and the character of our God. So Jesus sits down and he is watching people. He's watching rich people come up. Here's my money. Thank you so much. God bless you. Here's my money. Thank you so much. God bless you. Poor people come up. Here's my money. Thank you so much. God bless you. All these people are going in line. It's Legacy Offering Sunday at this church. And Jesus sits down and he looks at this widow, this poor little widow. It is recorded in scripture. She walks up. She gives two copper coins worth a penny. And Jesus was astounded. He was impressed. So much so, it says he calls his disciples, hey boys, come here, come here. So Jesus, first of all, he wanted to be in isolation. He wanted to be in solitude because he called his boys. He was by himself because he just wanted to be so focused. And so he recognizes how much money was given. That's how close God is. Hey, for, so, for some of those that are newer to our church, God is so close. He can see the lint on your shirt. He can see the hurt in your heart. God is so close to you. He could see what's going on in your life. And he was so impressed by the generous gift that this woman gave. She was a poor widow. God cares so much for those that are broken. So much for those that are hurting. God is near to the brokenhearted, to the contrite in spirit. God loves you. He's watching. He calls his boys. He says, fellas, come here. Did you see what this woman just did? So he's having a motivational speech. He's, he, he never wastes a teaching moment. He never wastes a teaching opportunity. Did you see what she just did? We see all these rich people. We see all these people putting in offerings. They give thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Some, maybe even millions. Who knows? But they give these huge gifts. And so what this, this, this is what this teaches. Is so the Bible records that some people gave big, wealthy, generous gifts. This woman gave a little gift when it comes to the amount. But how many knows? Humanity sees them as rich, but heaven sees this woman as rich. I just think this is fascinating about our God. He was so impressed by the gift that the woman gave. Why? Here's why. And here's why I think this is so important. God sees this. I believe Jesus was jealous in this moment. Why would he be jealous in this moment? I think he's jealous, not because he thinks money is better than him, but he sees that for many people, watch, money is replacing him. See, Jesus gets jealous when a rival becomes an equal. What's a rival? A rival, by definition, you look it up on dictionary.com, it is when something or someone challenges the preeminence or the superiority of something. And so what God says in Scripture is so clear. I am a jealous God, he says in the Old Testament. New Testament, you cannot serve God or money. You have to choose one. You cannot have two masters. You either hate one or you love the other. You love one or you hate the other. You have to choose. And he is watching people go up to the offering. He's watching people in church every single week. Rich people, poor people, faceless people, famous people. He sees all these different types of people. And he sees that they're putting in their money. They're putting in offerings. And they're giving money but they're not giving their heart. Listen to me. Write this down. For my note takers, God does not need your attention. He wants your affection. He doesn't want your attention. He wants your affection. And this is why Jesus gets jealous. Because he sees people loving the God of money more than loving the God of the universe. And that is why he is so impressed by this widow. 
is he does not want your money. He wants you. And this widow didn't give much money, but she gave all of herself. That is why we do this. That is the heart behind offerings like this today. But I think it's important to note. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it states, Each one must give. So if you're giving, each one must give as he has decided to give in his heart. And now watch. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. So the Bible says, if you're going to be giving, do not do it reluctantly. There are three, three ways people give. Reluctantly. If, listen, this is, not, this is not this type of church. Like, we don't want you to give reluctantly. If you feel like this guilt or you feel this pressure, don't give. God doesn't want gifts like that. He wants you to be joyful in the midst. So don't give reluctantly. Don't give compulsively. I, I, we talked about this this past week at CLA, our Leadership Academy that meets on Tuesday nights. And if I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go there. So often, what we see in churches, and this is in this story. I'm gonna share it in a moment. So often, what we see in churches is persuasive giving, compulsive giving. This is not a talk so that I can motivate some of you to give and tip God. God doesn't want your tips. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your tips. He wants your heart. So people give reluctantly. They give compulsively. But what God wants, He wants people to give joyfully, cheerfully. God loves. He is obsessed with the cheerful giver. And this woman, this widow, who had nothing, by the way, poor, poor in spirit, lost her husband, lost assets, resources, didn't have much. Even if she didn't have much, she still gave everything. So here's what I want to do. I'll make it a little practical for you, give you some handles as to why I give. I can use her story. I can use my story. This is why Devin Fry gives. Listen, we don't practice. I mean, sorry, we preach what we practice. I would never ask you something, and our pastors would never ask you something that they wouldn't do themselves. I'm a tither. My wife and I, we are tithers. So we tithe to this house. We are givers to this house, and I want to tell you why. The first reason would be this. I tithe because I'm gifted. I tithe because I'm gifted. And listen to me, that sounds narcissistic, that sounds like self-reliant, I don't really get it. What's the point, Devin, that you're trying to make? I'm telling you, we tithe, we give because we are gifted. God has designed you and equipped you. God has given you strategy. God has given you insight. God has given you answers. God has given you gifts and talents. The reason you're able to make money is because of the gifts that God gave you to make that money. You're gifted. Come on, you're gifted. The very reason you can watch this right now is because we have a team of people, a staff of people, some creatives, uh, media, designers, editors. They're so gifted, and now we can advance the gospel. Now we can uh, help people. Now we can steward our finances well. We can lead people well. We can train up other people well because we are gifted. God has gifted us. It is said this way, and I am so sick, and I am so tired of people showcasing false humility. Here's what I mean by that. Is it is not arrogant, write this down. It is not arrogant to acknowledge that you're gifted. It is arrogant to forget who gave you those gifts. Let me say it again so you can hear me. And I need some help, Shrewsbury. I need some help, Milford. 
It is not arrogant to acknowledge you are gifted. As a matter of fact, if you don't acknowledge it, that's a slap in the face to God. You are wonderfully, fearfully made. God has given you gifts, talents, abilities to do His purposes and His work on this planet. Come on, I'm preaching right now. You are so gifted. You're so gifted. And so God, He saw a, he saw a problem in the earth. And your purpose is to solve the problem on this planet. That's a lot of peas. There's a bunch of bars. Your purpose is to solve a problem on the planet. Listen, God designed you, developed you so that he would deploy you. I got alliterations for days. He designed you, developed you so that he would deploy you. You are gifted. And the reason I give, the reason simply I return to God what is already his, the reason I'm able to make money, the reason I have what I have is because of the gifts that God has given me. And I don't forget that. I think sometimes we forget these things. I give because I'm gifted. I give, secondly, because I'm grounded. Not because, like, not the 13-year-old, 14-year-old misbehaving and now I'm grounded. I'm grounded because I just believe the word. Come on, some of us, I'm not saying everybody in here, but some of us have been under good teaching for a long time. You know what the word says about generous people. God, what he sees in secret, he will reward Come on, when you give, God gives back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We know this. God gives 30, 60, 100 fold. What you give God, God multiplies. This is, this is, this is our faith. And so Natalia and I, just to, make it, just to make it a little bit more clear, Matt and I, my wife and I, we've been married for four and a half years, uh, coming up on five years, uh, and, and it's been an amazing time. This past year has particularly been a little bit more difficult. My wife and I just had our second baby boy. His name is Ezra James. We have our firstborn, Zion Joshua. They're amazing. But go figure how the pandemic's hit this past year. Natalia lost uh, one of her jobs. She's also not working right now because she's still on maternity leave. And so that's a lot of income. That's a lot of income that we lost. And we were a little frustrated about it. I was definitely a little nervous about it. And go figure, the legacy offering comes around. And it's like, well, I'm a pastor. I'm preaching about this. I'm preaching faith. I better live it. And I have seen time and time again, again, we would never ask you something that we wouldn't do ourselves. Now, Ty and I, we're not just tithers. We're also givers to this house. We are, we are personally giving to this offering. Not to prop ourselves up, to, but just to say, we believe in investing in the kingdom of God. I believe in I believe in the vision of this house. Come on, why don't you make some noise? Give, give God some praise if you believe in the vision of this house. Listen, a lot of people, they are shutting their doors. I want to preach right now. A lot of people are shutting their doors. They're doing church online, and that's great. All I know is at least at Connect, we're trying. We're working. We're hustling. We're grinding, and we're going to city to city. We're taking over Shrewsbury. Come on, we're taking over Framingham, Ashland, Milford. We're taking all of, all of these spots over for the sake of the gospel. Connect Church, we will grind. We will hustle because this is who we are. We believe in hard work, but we believe that God is behind our hard work, and that's why we give because we're grounded. We're grounded. Matter of fact, this is a great illustration. I remember reading this, that when you donate blood to the Red Cross donation, and you donate your blood, what they'll do is they'll take one pint of blood from your system. Now you have at any given moment about 10 pints of blood in your system. So they take out a pint. They take out, watch, 10%. What is that? That's a tithe. They take out a tithe of blood in your system. And science tells us that Literally 24 hours later, the blood that you lost, I'm sorry, the plasma that you lost 
is regenerated and restored. And in three weeks time, the entire pint of blood that you lost is now also regenerated. So here's what this tells us. And I'm preaching about the tithe right now. I hope you can see what I'm saying. This is what happens. So not only does it regenerate naturally, but you also can send blood to make a difference in somebody else's life. This is why we tithe. We tithe, one, because Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says that if you bring the tithe to the storehouse, God will overflow your barns. He will make sure. He says, test me in this. God is literally saying, try me. I will show up big in your life. This is why I tithe. Not just because of what it says, because of what I've also seen. God has shown up. And I know some people are like, wow, he's going hard on this whole tithe thing right now. Let me just tell you something. For some of the tithers in our church, Come on, tithers know we got rights. Tithers know that there is provision. There is protection. There's also promotion. Come on, God promises in his word to tithers, I will protect you. Because here's the deal. Theology tells us, and studying the Bible tells us, if you look in Malachi chapter 3, it says the tithe is coming out one way or the other. It's either coming out through the devourer. Read it for yourself. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, verse uh, 11. It's coming out through the devourer. Or it's coming out through free will in your choice. The tithe is coming out. I would rather have 90% of my income in God's hands than 100% in my own hands. I just firmly believe and I am grounded in the word of God knowing that God is faithful. God will bless you abundantly because we believe in the tithe. I give because I'm gifted. I give because I'm grounded. And lastly, I give, most importantly, because I'm grateful. Come on, we're the grateful people in our church. I give because I'm grateful. I give because God first gave to me. Now watch. If you look back in the text, Mark chapter 12, verse 41, we talk about this widow, this poor widow. But if you go back to verse 38... Jesus is talking about these Pharisees, and he starts going off about these religious elite. These people want to be called master or father or rabbi or teacher. And he, he talks to all these people. He tells them, he tells us what these people are like, that they have to impress people. They wear these fancy robes. They walk into places of honor. They will always sit at the seat of honor whenever they're at. And so these people have to communicate through actions, through words, we're important. Listen, if you have to tell somebody you're important, you're not that important. I heard somebody say it like this. Insecurity is loud. Confidence is quiet. These religious elite, these men of God, this is what the Bible says, verse 40. It says what they would do is they would devour widows' houses. And then the very next verse, we get introduced into a poor widow, which tells me, the Bible is very intentional, which tells me, likely, The poor widow was poor because, watch, the church, church people, men of God, the religious elite, the master, the father, the rabbi, the teachers were the ones that took the resources and assets from her. So here's what I get. This poor widow, she lost her husband. Life took her husband. The religious church people, supposed to be the protectors and the shepherds and the teachers of the the books of the Bible, These people took her assets, her resources, life took her husband, but listen to me, nothing could take God's heart from her. Nothing. You could take our homes, 
You could take our loved ones. You could take issues. You could take a bunch of our resources, our, 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 asset, our assets, our cars, our stuff. But you cannot take my gratitude for what God has done in my life. You can't take it. See, see, God, I give to God because he first gave to me. He has given me, come on, family. You should get grateful right now. He has given us family. He has given us homes. He's given us cars. He's given us blessings. He's given us gifts. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us angels. He gave us Jesus. What more could we ask for? God has been so good to us. So good to us. That's why I give. I give because God first gave. And this woman, she gave everything she had. She gave her heart. And some of us are wrestling with this today. I don't want you to spend money just because you heard a nice talk and this was inspiring or, or I feel convicted right now. I don't want you to give reluctantly or compulsively. If you're going to give, give cheerfully. But the best gift you could give God is give you. Is give you. He just wants you. And I remember hearing the story. This is my close. There's a woman and a man. This man goes off to a business trip to New York. He goes off, does his business, does his thing, and he just couldn't get his wife off his mind. And so he goes into this beautiful store, grabs this dress, thousands and thousands of dollars. Buys this dress, and he's like, I can't wait to give this to my wife. He grabs a card, he writes on the card, he goes, I just can't stop thinking about you. Walks back home, he wakes up, kisses his wife, he sets this gift aside, so he puts it in a nice little box, he makes sure she has the card on top of the box, and so he writes on the card, he leaves it there, he wakes up for work the next morning, he goes off. The wife wakes up, she looks at it, she realizes, oh my gosh, my husband left me a gift. So she opens up the box. She sees that there's this beautiful dress, but the problem was, she didn't really like it too much. It was nice, it was expensive, it was sweet, wasn't really her style. She put it in her closet. But she grabs this card and she reads the card. I just can't stop thinking about you. And so the husband gets home and this, this is what he sees. He sees that the wife put the dress in the closet. Years after, she never touched it, she never wore it once. But years later, that card was still on her mirror, on her vanity mirror, for years to come. Why? Because God doesn't really care about your gifts. They're, they're good. They're nice. He has all the resources in the world. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What he cares about is that he has your heart, is that he has your affection. He cares that he has you. And that's what I want to pray for today, is, is God doesn't want your money. God wants you. And as we give our gifts, as we give our offerings, for those that are tithers, for those that are givers, listen, don't tip God. Don't tip God. For some of you, your next step, you need to wrestle with this. You need to talk to your wife or talk to your spouse or, or maybe if you're, if you're single, you need to talk to God and just be like, I need to trust God with my finances because here's the deal. You don't need to give to God. You don't need to tip God. You don't need to give an offering. You need to become a tither. Why? Here's the perspective shift and here's what really changed everything for me. It is not you giving 10% of your money to God. It is God giving 90% of his money for you to manage. That is what tithing is all about. And so for some of you, I want to pray for you as you're getting prepared for your offerings and for your gifts. 
And this is a holy moment. Jesus is watching. God is watching. And I believe knowing, I know for a fact because I know the nature of our God, Jesus wouldn't just let that widow put in an offering and then that was it. I know Jesus. I know that he was so impressed. I know that he sees this widow just like he saw Job in the Old Testament. Job lost everything. He lost his cattle. He lost his resources. He lost his family. But what does it say in Job 42? It says in Job 42 that what the devil stole, God supplied. God gave it back double fold, dual fold. All the stuff that he lost, he got twice as much resources, twice as much cattle. He got, a, he got his family back. He got his health back. He got his mental health back. Job lost everything. And God gave it back. Why? Because Job was blameless. Job was generous. And this is the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what you give to God, listen to me, what you give to God, God multiplies. He doesn't just multiply. God is terrible at addition, but he is excellent at multiplication. He, when you give something to God, he doesn't just take it. He gives it, multiplies it, and then you got leftovers. You see the fish in the five loaves. This is what happens. One person gave a gift, he gave a meal, and he gave it to Jesus. 5,000 plus people, 10,000, probably 15,000 with men and children, with women and children. 15,000 were fed, and there were still bushels of leftovers. Well, you give to God. Listen, give intentionally, give proportionally, but give expectantly. Expect God to move on your behalf. We have seen it in our lives. I know so many people to your left and to your right whether you're in Citigroup or you're online or you're in the chat, I'm telling you, God is going to show up in your life. I want to pray for you if you would allow me to do so. Father, right now, may we be like this widow. She might be poor when it comes to resources, but she was rich in abundance uh, by the Spirit. She had faith and trust in Jesus. And so help us, God, strengthen us, Holy Spirit, to be more like that. We trust in you. We put our faith in you. We honor you. Right now, Lord, we repent. Many of us repent because we have been serving the God of money. We've served the God of money for far too long. And so now we give you not just our money. We want to give you our hearts. And I want to pray for a group of you now. And if you're in Citigroup, I want you to identify yourself by raising your hand. If you're online or in the chat, there's a button below that just says click here to give my heart to Jesus. Ultimately, God doesn't want your money. He wants you. And so if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up and say, that's me. I want to dec declare and confess my faith in Jesus. One, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Give your life. Give your heart and give your trust to Jesus. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up? Three. And I believe in faith. So many of you online and in person are committing your decision, are making a decision to commit your life to Jesus. We want to help you. We want to be a resource for you. We want to be a church that can help you in this journey of faith. Trust me, you can't do it alone, but this is the greatest adventure of a lifetime. If that's you, would you just text this number? It's 97,000. CC saved. Text 97,000. CC saved. We have some resources for you. We want to give you a couple gifts. And I believe that's going to be the best decision for your life. Listen, I hope you got something out of this. 
talk to me. Shoot me a message on Instagram or social media. I would love to talk to you and hear how God is speaking to you. We love you so much. We'll see you in a small group nearby. Happy Thanksgiving. We love you so much, church family. God bless you.